it's, this is the most important activity. Like, yes, at some point we will need to get to work. We will need to do things. We'll, right. ne- we'll need those things. But after the work is done, what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to, I like if I'm t- talking to these random people in my mm-hmm. head, you really are going to need to stop and wonder about the whole thing, you know, what, it, what it's all about. And you're going to also really need to sit and think about it from a big well, I mean, at the end of the picture. day, you can do your works and check off things on your task lists and stuff. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're a body that has to sit with being a body. Right, you, right, you right. You can right. never escape that reality. And nine is kind of skipping to the end and be like, well, if at the end of the day, I'm just going to be a body sitting. Great, great. Let me get to Let's it right now. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated dedicated to helping you live a less certain, more curious life. I'm Scott. I'm Daniel. And or or with <laughs> for <laughs> and or with this is a an Enneagram episode about nines, everybody. And we're going to talk about nines, and we are nines. And we have things to say about nines, and uh, hopefully we'll provide some insight, not just about no. Theoretical I, th- I stuff, think this but- stuff will be good stuff to think with, um, just because like everyone's got a nine in their life. Every, like nine, it's the most uh, numerous type out there. Yeah, like, you've most assuredly got nines in your life. Is it the most basic type? <laughs> basic. <laughs> what do we mean? I'm kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it's it is kind of just a, a good reference point for thinking about like these. Kind of, it's like a starting point for the Enneagram. It is both the beginning and the end of the Enneagram. So the alpha and the, the omega. Alpha and the, <laughs> uh, nines have a you no. Know, see, that is an interesting thing. People will talk about like Ian Morgan. You can probably do a better Ian impersonation than me, but he'll talk about how nines have like the best access to spirituality or the easiest access to spirituality. And, and I've been in his presence. And he has a profound access to spirituality. Mm, that's Morgan interesting. Cron, yeah. Calling you out, right? At the top of the episode. Not that you listen. Yeah, not that you listen. Not that that was an aggressive call out, all things considered. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm calling him out by complimenting him. Yeah, yeah. You have a, a, an acute access to spirituality. You, you seem, my mm. friend, you seem to have some nine-ish. Mm. I'll tell you what. I, I'll here. tell you what, as a side note. Went and saw him here in Seattle. Host a book reading event. Okay. He had a local band, Kyle Turver. Oh, no way. Come and play that evening. So they were on point. They, they did an amazing job of creating a vibe. We're in this Methodist church with this beautiful echoey space. There's maybe 50 people in the room. He reads from his book, my dad, the CIA and me, which was actually beautifully written and profound. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the end, he just goes, um, I'm just sensing that the right thing to do here in this room would be to do communion. And I think we have some elements. And he just hosted the space in a way that was just so profound and spacious and intensely like uh, present. Okay, yeah. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, this is this interesting thing of like, I'm just, I'm imagining off the bat, you know, a couple episodes ago, we were kind of like poking fun at Ian for, you know, being mistyped. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. I think the past two episodes we've talked about mm-hmm. him. Um, and throwing it back two episodes, we were talking about like the work of the Enneagram and people who kind of take the Enneagram more seriously than others um, and who've kind of created a their own ego identity around being a more serious or a better or a more proper Mm -hmm. user of the Enneagram. And by which the contrast to that is Ian Morgan Cron is not that he's mistyped and he's, but it is interesting the way Ian Morgan Cron has become kind of a foil or a bad object for that crowd of people that are trying to use the Enneagram more properly or more conscientiously or whatever. And that's fine. Um, But also just like in the spirit of like kind of having some inter conversation between our episodes, like if people are like, oh, these these people are talking about Ian Morgan Cron and are saying that he can do something well. It's like, yeah, someone can be mistyped and also do other uh-huh. things well, uh-huh. you know? Um, yeah. And just because, I mean, just because he's mistyped and has misled a lot of people about the Enneagram doesn't also mean he, he probably has some spiritual access and wisdom mm-hmm. in terms of spirituality that is probably in a different language from the Enneagram uh, spirituality, but it's... It's just different languages, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, this that's a great way to kind of bring in this conversation around nines is it's that kind of immense capacity to hold dissonance, mm. um, con- conflicting uh, stories and be like, yeah, these are conflicting stories and you can hold both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Isn't that the wisest way? <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Isn't it? This is wonderful that there's no other types in this uh, conversation. So we don't can butt in. Don't butt in other types. Don't ruin our our nice union of knowing that paradoxes are part of reality. And <laughs> oh, what you you're having trouble with this paradox? Oh, wow! I didn't I didn't even know that'd be very hard for you. That's something people have hard times with. <laughs> Is Man, that you entering so the conversation? Yeah, sometimes, you know. Wow. Okay, so so maybe we should do this. Maybe we should like s- set a groundwork for like I would love to hear you, I mean, of course, with your consent and with your participation, could you sort of do your best to break down a 9? Like what is a 9? Yeah. And and then maybe look at it from a few different angles like 9 and then, like, I don't know, like nine wing one, nine wing eight, hmm. like a few yeah, other that little might be a fun starting spicy place. elements. Okay. It is interesting because, like, something, my first thing that comes up for me when I sit, when you say that is in conversations where I've tried to be, you know, like re educating about the NA grammar stuff, when I try to explain nine, especially to people that I'm like, pretty sure this person has a nine. I'm just going to be like, okay, so this is one, this is something I'm picking up for you. I'm going to describe this type for you. See if this resonates. Um, people tend to, I mean, this might just reflect on my ability to explain things, but people are like, I can't, I don't know what you're even saying here. Mm. Um, Mm. and this is this, this, uh, like, like I I don't understand the imagery you're using to explain this. I don't. So I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm voicing a little bit of trepidation around explaining this thing because nine is so, foggy uh, mm. so there's like there's like no handles 
Um, yes, I love it already. I love it already. So let's let's just get into this and be playful and and yeah. uh, you're gonna have to help me like it's ask like questions it's like um, things aren't making sense. Bebop jazz. They're scatting around. They're just creating and okay. So let's think about nine as uh, first of all body type. Yep. So the if we're thinking about what's a body type or a heart type or a mind type, what essentially we're saying is like you're interfacing with the world primarily through that center. So through the sensation for nine as in a body type, through the sensations of what like just your the signals your body is mm. telling you, your five senses, mm. um, just that immediate input, just and for a quick opposed to a mental type, a seven, six, or five, which are like uh, figuring things out. It, it, the The main input is really like thought and cognition and figuring things out. Okay, let's just stop for fun right here and say, I remember David Lynch being interviewed by uh, Jay Leno years and years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, Jay Leno's like, "Oh, I think we're probably similar." Let, let me let me ask you this because they're kind of vibing. He's like, "After I get done with my staff here, I go home. I bring I bring all the staff here. I cook a, a big spaghetti dinner." And David Lynch, he's like, Does he, do you relate to that? He goes, no, I do not cook in my house. I don't like the idea of, of fumes and oils and smoke seeping into the walls, into the, and the wallpaper of my house. I don't cook. There's no, there's no cooking in my home. <laughs> Think about body type. I'm like, I, 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 once, once you even introduce the idea of, you don't cook in your home. I'm like, that actually, really makes sense. I also don't like smells and fumes in my home. And if that's an option, you know, I, I, I just re- do relate to this idea of like, I walk into a room and I'm very aware of the vibe. It's I would always say the vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the vibe. It, mm-hmm. And that's another thing we can say about nine is like nine is very porous. So mm-hmm. like things are seeping into them through their, like, a, a, a porous membrane, their skin doesn't actually keep things out. It's all getting yeah. into them. And so, um, and that's where, it, so we have body type. We have, uh, an attachment body type. Okay. So attachment, here we go. We're building a, the blocks. We're building the blocks. An attachment. So attachment means, um, I'm adjusting and adapting myself relative to the object. Yeah. Um, and I guess everyone's doing that in a certain sense, but we named, I think just in the past episode, we talked both about rejection and frustration types where mm-hmm. rejection is cutting off a part of themselves that's being hurt yeah. by the object. Um, so that, and kind of creating this like very limited leverage. There's right. this one Avenue that you can interact with me upon. And then the frustration is going to object. You didn't, you're inadequate and in right. not measuring up to my standards so I'm going to have to do it myself. Attachment, both of those are kind of like uh, uh, a little bit more self-referential in mm-hmm. a way. Attachment, by contrast to both of those two, is saying, what did I do wrong? Or what am I failing to do in relation to you? Why is it, there's tension in this? I feel hurt. It's probably something I did. Yeah. So I'm going to have to adjust or be sorry or I'm a victim or whatever it is, but it's it's a it's kind of giving a little bit more credence to the object rather than to the self. Um, and so for nine being a body type, then all three of the types on the triangle are kind of dissociating from their main center. Um, and so the Ooh. nine dissociating from their body, but also being a body type 
and doing this attachment thing, it creates this very dissociated, foggy, porous mm. thing. Mm. It's, I mean, that's why it's so hard to talk about. Because, yeah, like, yeah. What, what do you say about that? I just thought, like, there needs to be a movie, like, Inside Out or something, where it's, like, monsters of the Enneagram. Like, this <laughs> seems like a particular type of monster, like a spooky warped ghost. It's kind of like the, the Steven monster. Yeah, yeah, or, like, yeah. Like a corrupted gem or something. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and, so, and, and that is all happening so, so, so subconsciously. It's mm. like, that's not going to be something you notice about yourself. Right. Or, like, people are like, I don't see myself in that description. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this is what the Enneagram is describing. It's things that are so below our consciousness that mm-hmm. you're not really going to vibe with it mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. first hear it, at least when you hear it described in these kind of structural ways. Which brings me back to, like, the one of the first little blips that's kind of came up from the surface of the ocean hmm. uh, in terms of the Enneagram. It was, it was the liturgists. We were just talking about the liturgists and oh, yeah. they were saying that like they were basically creating a rule for like one of the litmus tests for you knowing your type is that you would be defensive. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, maybe that's one way, but that's not the way like yeah. all sorts of things about certain types could make you defensive. So it's just interesting to think like, how these unconscious things could influence the way we even are introduced to the types. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that first pass at hearing about the types you, you probably, I have no idea. You probably aren't going to know. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, like, you know, some people do just like off the bat, they hear a description for whatever reason it was mm-hmm. the stars aligned and it's their type and mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. identify with it and it makes sense and all that. But yeah, no, generally, especially for folks that want to get a little bit more into it, once you start trying to understand, like taking in the the language to start describing this stuff and it starts getting a little bit more technical, um, it's very easy to start like misidentifying stuff. And, yeah. And, you know, because you're, you're learning these very abstract things and trying to find examples and you're referencing yourself. Um, so it makes total sense. But yeah, it's really, it's... I feel like you got to do this stuff in conversation with other people that are trying to understand it as well. And, um, and that have some degree of awareness of how easy it is to misidentify stuff. Cause otherwise you can just create your own little fantasy of how it works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's not what the Enneagram's for. It's not for creating, a like, a self validating self concept. It's, it's for exposing the ways that your narrative is actually self-created and <laughs> and uh, a fantasy. Whoopsie-daisies. Um, Whoopsie-daisies. So we've already floated away. A body attachment type. Body attachment type. Let's get back. Let's ground ourselves. Let's anchor ourselves. So, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, we could talk endlessly just about what the attachment <laughs> dynamic is. Well, what is that? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I guess the natural curiosity that's coming up for me is, what are the differences? And this was really fun to talk about the differences between fives, twos, and eights in the last episode. Right. But like, what is the difference in terms of attachment for sixes, threes, and nines? Like, how are they doing attachment? Yeah. So they're all, I mean, three attachment types, um, each in a different center. So attachment in the body, attachment in the mind, attachment in the heart. Um, attachment, attachment to what? Um, right, right. So this object relation stuff, it's, it's again, just for a, just the briefest of recaps, we've got the self, the psyche, um, the ego, which is the subject. You've got the parent, 
the, the mothering figure, which later becomes like becomes established as the object, and we project that onto pretty much everything that's not self. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the affect between subject and object, and that's creates an object deli- de- object relational like triangle. Yes. Okay. So you're essentially trying to remain attached to the object, right? And what we're doing with these object relational affects is we're, we're, we've, we're essentially conditioning ourselves, ourselves into a pattern or we're being conditioned into a pattern that continues to play itself out. And this is our strategy of how I relate to everything that's not me. Mm-hmm. And so you're finding mm-hmm. ways to continue creating similar dynamics mm. relative to object. Mm. Um, hopefully this will become, this makes sense. But um, basically what attachment is doing is, as I said, was I messed up. I did something wrong. I'm going to have to adjust to meet you, right? Right. I'm going to have to adjust myself to meet object in somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so what attachment types, and I have to credit someone across the internet named Xander Tan who kind of came up with this terminology, but he kind of... Thank you, Xander Tan. Thank Thank you, Xander Tan. Um, came up with this terminology of attachment to disconnect. Okay, okay. So let that sink in. Attachment to disconnect. Wow. And what that means is, what is attachment doing? They're attaching to to attaching. So if you attach... <laughs> yeah, let's say pick up attach use your hand to attach to something. I'm grabbing my Everybody, water bottle right now. Wherever you are, grab a water bottle or something near you. Grab something. Okay, so you've attached. You've attached. But object relations is a pattern that continues over and over and over and over wow, again. Microsecond wow. by microsecond wow. with everything. So to create to, to create conditions that, that pattern of attaching can continue forever you yeah. need to continue you, what you, you really attach you need to so you can attach attach so you can detach oh again. shit so what you're actually detach, attaching to moment. is to disconnect oh gosh oh gosh <laughs> because because then you can remain frustrated and and i, I can never connect to anyone right now. <laughs> are you <laughs> Um, oh my gosh, that feels so real. Where like if you've ever gotten into an <laughs> an argument or something with a nine, it can kind of feel like, are we actually trying to solve something here or right. are you just like <laughs> attached to being upset about something? Um, oh man, oh man, oh man. So, so <laughs> yeah, attachment to disconnect. I don't know, like what, what kind of... <laughs> Attachment disconnect. What does that well, mean? Well, I'll say for you? I'll say this for fun. This is all for fun, everybody. We're here having fun. This isn't even a job. We're just doing this. Um, <laughs> not getting paid. This isn't work. We have like five Patreon supporters. <laughs> They're the only ones that can really hold us accountable. <laughs> um, so let me say, I would I would want to. I don't I don't quite know how nine does it actually. I don't quite know how three does it, but it seems, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the six is would be the one that would sort of create a disruption for the opportunity to reattach, if that sounds right. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that seems the most obvious example because they're a, a reactive type. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. within this... But is there a sort of sort of fantasy unconsciously subconsciously underneath the surface where it's like on autopilot 
there is, uh, because this is, I think about the persecuted persecutor. Mm-hmm. People call everybody, people call sixes the persecuted persecutors. I don't know about people. That's something I heard from Naranjo. Uh, Naranjo? I, th- I think that, Do you I think like that's these a, schools of thought, everybody? I think that's a good like image for it, persecuted persecutor. Yeah. So, so it's this, I don't know. It's, it's a jab. It's, it's, it's a poke. It's, it's, I, I think about it, like, poking an anthill, like, mm-hmm. and then being surprised at the answer running around. You're like, what? Yeah. You know? Yeah, and then yeah, it's yeah. like, wait, we have to fix this. How are we going to fix this? I'm like, and also you're the one that caused it. And also we can. And then there's the satisfaction of the reattachment. Right, 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 right. So yeah, six is a good, maybe middle ground for understanding kind of how that dynamic works. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's how, that's how I felt about you grabbing the water bottle, ungrabbing the water bottle, grabbing the water bottle. Like, mm-hmm. Whereas I have no idea how other types are doing attachment because I guess all humans do attachment. Well, and this is something like just uh, throwing it back to Xander again, I guess. Like he, he had this, it was this whole long post in this Facebook group where he was talking not only about attachment types, but he was saying everyone's doing attachment. Attachment is a, just a function of the human psyche. Frustration types are attaching to their frustration. And, and what types are frustration types? One, four, and seven. One, four, and seven. Okay. And then the rejection types are attaching to rejection. And so attachment and, and, and types. And what are the rejection types? The, the rejection types are eight, two, and five. Okay. 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 Got it. Got it. So, so, so these like are more in the hexad realm. You're attaching yeah. to a dynamic. Yeah. Or to a pattern, a repeatable pattern. And so, got it. So then you get to attachment, which is technically attaching to attachment, but what is required in order to attach to attachment yeah. in a repeatable ways to actually attach to non-attachment. <laughs> okay. So how would a three do it? That's a good question. Like we can maybe wonder about this cause I don't have like an, like a, a prepared yeah, let's wonder. answer. Yeah. I'm putting you on the spot. Um, a quiz. How, Everybody, how let's does see if Daniel gets this right. <laughs> okay. So let's think. So like three is essentially a great image for three is a performance. Putting so, on a performance. So when we say attachment is one way of saying it is that we're wanting to feel a connection. We don't want to feel unattached. I'm not the person. I mean, obviously, we know Mace would be the better person to talk about attachment, but like, um, <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, what what are we saying when what are we what are we what are we saying us? by attachment? Yeah, a looking up and a pondering and a wondering from Daniel. <laughs> well, I mean, let's let's. It's. I will just pause to say while you mm-hmm. gather your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Daniel's going to meditate and gather their thoughts. Uh, it is, it is turning into pop psychology. It's out there. It's mm-hmm. on Instagram. People are talking about attachment theory, mm-hmm. and people are reading books. People are diagnosing themselves, and it's it's becoming something that people like. Very, it's almost it's almost like pseudo enneagram stuff. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, attachment theory is out there, and people are like, mm-hmm. "I, I'm anxious attachment." I'm like, "Are, are you?" And then what do you do with that information? I have no idea. Like, great, but but how do we know? And so it's out there. It's not it's not untrue. Attachment theory and attachment styles. It's mm-hmm. all real. But like, um, it also does seem to be going the way of the enneagram. Yeah, in the sense that it's become pop. Almost. Yeah, it has become pop. Yeah, and it, it, yeah, I mean that's a. It's interesting to evoke like attachment theory because that's another question. Is like. When we say the attachment uh, triad in the Enneagram, 
are we talking about a, a similar thing as attachment theory? Right. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe this is something I've wondered around is, could we say that whatever your type, whether you're attaching to frustration, attaching to rejection or attaching to disconnect, could that attachment be characterized along the spectra that are laid out in attachment theory? Um, People, we want to know. If we were doing a live right now, we'd have invite some comments. We don't. We're not. We're not doing a live. But the question is, what are we attaching to? Well, we are kind of attaching to our parents. Okay. Right? Yeah, that makes sense. We're attaching to the mothering figure, which we're projecting on everything. Um, and most, most, it kind of is loudest in like our primary relationships. So if we have a partner or it's like a group of best friends, a teacher, um, a favorite podcaster, mm-hmm. like we're mm-hmm. wanting to, especially for attachment types, wanting to get approval from that mother and really everyone, everyone's wanting acceptance. Everyone's the mother <laughs> from the mother. Yeah. We, we all want that. And it's kind of, they're all different ways of doing that, of getting that. Um, but yeah, it's very difficult for me to get, like I can understand it in these like super abstract terms. I know we'd want to say threes. What are you doing? Like, help us understand. Uh, okay, so I will say, uh, let's just get right into some nine attachment ponderings. Like, I would say uh, a nine's way, it, this is the word that comes up for me, so it would be interesting to see what you think about this, is acquiescing. Mm-hmm. And I think people could experience me as somebody that's firm, but at the same time, almost the acquiescing is happening unbeknownst to the people that are experiencing it. You haven't noticed the... 200 things I've done to neglect myself throughout the day. Right. And I mean, some of it is, is this like, if we're talking about mine as being a body type, you're getting all of this sensory input that you're not even really aware that's coming into you, but from someone's body language, the Mm -hmm. way their eyes are moving around and the way they slumped or leaned toward you or away from you and stuff and their tone of voice. And it's all coming as this like subliminal data about how this other organic system is doing. Yeah. And because nine is wanting to remain attached to the object or is wanting to attach, not not to remain attached, but to do the act of attaching to the object, this natural thing starts occurring of like, well, what do I need to help mitigate and soothe that distressed system over there? How do I, if I'm seeing, if I'm sensing tension or stress, what needs to happen from my end to make sure that that those that goes down or is, is go wrong. along. Yeah. Right? Go along. Um, I, I almost feel like growing up thinking about it and this is really fun to, to not look at it. Anything is bad. Like I don't go, Oh, my parents. Ooh. But I do think that was such a, I thought I, I, I imagine all types wake up one day and, and, and this was the early stage of the Enneagram stuff for me. I thought, I thought we were all doing this <laughs> Yeah, and you go, oh, no, we're all doing something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I really thought the interpretation of we were all taught to go along was universal. Like we're Mm. all going along, right? We're all going along. I wonder how much of that for you and for me um, was, is kind of part of the Christian upbringing as well. Cause there was kind of an impetus to like be humble and be a servant to others kind of a Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And that's a very uh, like affirming uh, value statement for mm-hmm. a nine because you're like, Oh, it, I'm a good person. If I just kind of like 
submit to your neighbor kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Um, but I mean, that said, like there is kind of, there are certain characterizations of nine that's like super pushover or whatever. And nines, because it's like this always acquiescing thing, there's so much pent up frustration and rage around how much of their self and their life they've <laughs> unwittingly given away. That's like my whole, it's like you're constantly dragging your arc. heels. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I'm the most dragging my heels. That would, that would be, if you were to say, name the top 10 phrases that come to mm-hmm. your mind to describe Scott, probably Daniel too. Yeah. Dragging your heels. Dragging your heels. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, McKaylee could come on and yeah. just talk for so long about the many ways that I drag my heels and dumb things. Um, okay. Well, you know, I don't know what threes are doing. Uh, well, I, I mean, I and we don't of, need to get too stuck on attachment. It was one of the building blocks. One of the building blocks. Yeah. I mean, we can like loop back to it. Here's a question I was having for you because, um, I'll ask the questions around here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't even have like a bantery response to that. Um, uh, okay. Midnight gospel. Yeah. We talked about it last, last episode. Invocation of the midnight gospel. Yeah. I, I want to, so Duncan Trussell is a seven. Okay. Makes sense. But I feel like it's a really nine show. Yeah. And you said you've said you've watched it like eight, ten times, an absurd number of times. Yeah. You've watched through uh, Midnight Gospel. I too very much enjoy. It. I haven't watched through it that many times, but like, I'd be curious to ask you what about that show? Like, what great is question, it? great question. Um, well, maybe the creator is a nine. So Duncan Trussell, who's the podcast host, I, I, I'm so sad that all of a sudden I'm forgetting the creator's name. Pendle- Pendleton Ward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also creator of Venture Time seems to be some sort of modern day godfather of a lot of great art, like yeah. Steven Universe and all that. And um, I think I okay. I mean, even the mere explanation of why I try to tell people that I like it seems nine-ish. I'm saying so. You're taking Pendleton Ward, who creates Adventure Time, who's a, who's an animator, mm-hmm. and then you're taking Duncan Trussell, who has this podcast. Mm-hmm. You're you're just flinging them together. It's throwing paint at the wall. What is it? And then all of a sudden, I don't know. There's a euphoric enjoyment to the, I, to the confusion of it all. Mm. So the first time I watched confusion. it, I was like, fusion. Yeah. The, yes. The first time I watched it, I was like, I don't understand. They record a podcast style conversation with the intent of creating a cartoon. And, and the mere provocation of it was so, beautiful. I just felt, I just felt like I was laying in a stew of wonderful confusion. Confusion is the great laying word. Laying in a stew <laughs> of wonderful confusion. Yeah. And I, and I think I, when I listen to David Lynch, right I have there. such a, um, can spirit David Lynch? Cause like once I, once I hit the vein of something like that, I'm like, I don't want it to stop. And I think one of the strangest experiences of my life is like, if there's something that I've enjoyed that I can sit with and it's, it's added a lot of, um, confusion. I mean, this word is like something we're zeroing in on. Like, well, I mean, think about attachment, cun and fuse. Oh like gosh, fuse gosh, confusion. that's good. That's good. It's like, there's no distinction between things. With it's fusing. all just <laughs> stew. Yes. So there's like, 
there's something about the experience that is so intimate where I don't want to leave it. I, I want to sit with it for a very long time, which is why the multiple multiple views happen. And mm-hmm. and then I'm it's it's also sad and painful that first there would be a judgment of that sitting. People are like, why are you watching that again? And I'm like, right. I mean, even when Kendrick Lamar came out with his most recent album, I listened to the Heart Part Five fifty times as an audio. Then the video came out. And I watched the video twenty times. I was sitting in my house watching the video on loop. Wow. Then. Wow. Reactions started coming out and I would just sit. I like wake up, get my coffee. And then now I'm watching reaction videos to the heart part five. And I'm like, don't anyone interrupt this, <laughs> you know? And then I get so lost in it that some, that now somebody says, what is it? And I say, watch the heart part five. I've spent probably a hundred hours now with this song. And, and somebody is, I know the beats that are coming. I know the lines that are coming. And I'm like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. He's going to say this thing. And as he's about to say it, somebody looks at me and goes, cool song. Anyways, what did you do today? And I'm like, ah, (laughs) stop it. Stop it. Like, do not, you don't you dare interrupt this spell that we're in right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So the hard part five was part of that. But like midnight gospel, I just think, it, the more intimate I become with it, <laughs> talked about the midnight gospel as a, as an object to attach to. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, even that Kendrick, like what does this, this Kendrick is obviously, uh, uh th- this Kendrick you speak of yeah. is, uh, is like <laughs> this Kendrick, these Kendrick you speak of. Yeah. The, I get it. This, this song that you listen to so many times, it's like this first in the song and then as a video, it is like this object that you're like continuing to attach to yeah, and attach yeah. to and attach to yeah. and attach to every time. Yeah. Um, Kendrick even, I guess. Yeah, even yeah. Kendrick as a figure. And so it's like, how is that representing, and this is, maybe this is just a rhetorical question, but like the question is how that is, that is representing something probably ultimately maternal in a way mm. that like just by the virtue that, it, that you've continued to come back to it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's an interesting thing to think about. Maybe, maybe for the listener, like those things that you can just keep doing and do. Like for me, I uh, I used to work this like reception job, and um, sometimes when times got slow, I would just pull up Google Earth and just look at Google Earth, and I would just strafe across continents and hills. You love and that. Trace a river, and I would show, like. There's certain rivers I've traced hundreds of times, <laughs> and I just amazing. looked up the. D- the length of the river and then I go to some other place and maybe I'll loop back to the same river. And so it's like, You're what, it. what is, uh, why have I listened to this rap song? Why have you freaking traced a river a hundred times? What the hell is that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, and yeah, so maybe th- that's not exclusive to attachment types, but I think that's a good, uh, maybe case study to look at what attachment might be. I don't be. know. I think you and I relate to this idea that like, it's vibes first, almost. Like I think yeah. about like Midnight Gospel, and it's first of all vibes. And I'd say one of the ways to say it is first of all, it's conversational. Rap is the same way. I like mm-hmm. words. I like lots of words. Mm. Words, 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 words. I want people talking. I want, I want it being dynamic. I want lots of words coming at me very quickly. You know, <laughs> I want I, <laughs> speak, talk. I words. want. A, I want to. Oh, we got SD card oh. has limited space remaining. Weird. We, I thought we'd erased it. Talking about Midnight Gospel. 
Yeah, but what were we saying? It's really juicy, so I want to I want to make sure I I say one last thing. Only one last well, thing. Well, we could keep talking about it all night, but like it's true that it's singular in my mind. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about a confusing stew, mm-hmm. which might be nice words for a nine. And I, I will say there's something, and I want to I know what you think about this, because I think you'd relate about these maps and the things you're interested in, is like the midnight gospel really is the perfect representation of something I would like in my vibes. I mean, of course, I also love Twin right. Peaks, but like right. there's something about it that is on the one hand very intellectual. Like if you're listening to the conversations, right. you're like something very intellectual, but it's also very intentionally obscure. Mm-hmm. And you can very much choose at your will, depending on your mood, to be intellectual or vibed, vibed out. Wow, that's yeah. a great way of looking at it. <laughs> Almost in the moment, back and forth toggling, but also just be, depending on the mood. Sometimes I can be like, I'm really, I'm really deep diving the content here. Right. I'm figuring some stuff out. And or then sometimes like I'm just some stuff. vibing out. I, yeah. I've, now I'm, we're on a pirate ship with some cats. Yep. And, and then I'm just experiencing that and laughing. And I don't know what this guy's saying about magic right now. Maybe someday I'll look deeper into magic and he's saying some interesting things about life, but this is more about the cats and the cartoon and, and, and it is really interesting. Injury. Well, and you said, I, I don't think that they recorded these episodes. I think these are selected from mm-hmm. pre-recorded mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. episodes. And so there is this interesting thing of like, there's, re- it's, it's, eh, it's so wonderfully disorienting that yeah. there's like these two storylines that often like kind of uh, symbolically uh, relate, but sometimes really don't. Yeah, dissonance. Dissonance. Paradox. No, totally. Dissonance, paradox. Um, And that is kind of the ultimate attachment. Like attachment is a paradox that you're also attaching by disconnecting. The last line of the whole show, just be here now. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's... From Rumi. Yeah. (laughs) That's is that a nine ambivalence? On the one hand, we do want to just be here now because there's a blissed out euphoric state of just tuning everything out and just just be here now. But watching that video before we started about the escapist, there's also something peaceful about getting out. Don't be here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. There's there's the paradox. Um, just be here now. No. Well, part of the nine stew is I'm not really here. Right. Um, Are we, you and I both here right now? I don't know. <laughs> I I th- I think I'm kind of half here. Like <laughs> some of some of these figure. Like uh, uh, I mean, here's the other thing about it, and p- maybe why nine is so hard to talk about as a nine is that it's being a body type. The nine experience is. Um, like a a linguistic, a, like w- nonverbal, nonverbal. non-verbal. Is the word. It's love like it, a love, nonverbal love it, love thing. It. So, like, how do you put this like nonverbal paradox of being both here and being the entire universe, and try to talk about that? You know, provide examples <laughs> for that. Poo poo poo. Um, big big big. And I mean, yeah, how? there's like how. Nines aren't like uh, me as a nine. I'm not the entire universe, but there is this kind of thing that the that the perception does in terms of 
beings, when, when the attachment strategy is like, I can be whatever I need to become in order to attach into you, mm-hmm. that creates a very strange, like, anything can be anything. Because if I, like, we're kind of projecting ourselves onto the object. So if I can become anything I need to be for you, that also means you can kind of become anything you need to be for me is like the the... Un, for unseen assumption there mm-hmm. and then anything can kind of be anything and so that's why like a conversation like this between two nines is like we kind of set out like oh this would be some interesting stuff to talk about but then we get on like the craziest side tangents um where it's like you're asking me a question and i kind of respond with a non-answer to your question and it's I like well, it. what, is, what even is being talked about here um Nineness. but it but it, it's just that nine fog of it it's it, it all is kind of referencing all right um which is kind of uh uh lends itself to the foot drag or the heel dragging right right because when when someone's trying to make you do something you don't want to do you there's endless avenues for resisting that or for like saying like well actually hold on like what does it mean to work anyway you know throwing back to two conversations ago or um I can see, I mean, I was even kind of doing it a couple episodes ago when we were talking about like reactivity and stuff and being like, well, okay, hold on. First, like, think about what are you reacting to and mm-hmm. self interrogate, like, this kind of um, relativizing everything, which of course is an important, like, expansive way of doing perspective, but it can also be so uh, just creating slowness because a nine doesn't want to have to do something they don't want to do. Yeah. Oh gosh. I have many, many thoughts about all this, but like, <clears throat> here's one thought two, uh, two thoughts are coming. Here's one. First of all, I love that this isn't <laughs> for, for whatever is out there in the Enneagram landscape. This isn't an Enneagram nine conversation. We're like, I just see everybody's perspective. <laughs> I just love everybody. Everybody has something to say. Everybody gets to come to the table. What do you think about nines? Well, nines are really good at seeing all perspectives. When a nine is in the room, they're going to really great mediators. What do you do as a nine? I am a great mediator. And like, okay, well, <laughs> we had a great conversation about nines. The takeaway is that they're mediators. You see all sides. Peacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so there's my little tangent. But um, another one is this thing of I wonder, this is going to sound very self aggrandizing and narcissistic. If <laughs> I don't know how to say this, I don't know how to say this. If every type has a wisdom. <laughs> Maybe the nine is the deepest wisdom. <laughs> what I mean by that is, is isn't it isn't it obvious that the this is going to sound for the two of us like like philosophical like Greek people s- s- sitting in their like in their Paris style yeah like just talking philosophy you know uh, <laughs> I don't know where they do these things where in was Socrates in a stoa yeah in a stoa exactly um, and 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 this this is the most important activity. Like, yes, at some point we will need to get to work. We will need to do things. We'll, right. ne- we'll need those things. But after the work is done, what are you guys going to do? What are you guys going to, I like if I'm t- talking to these random people in my mm-hmm. head, you really are going to need to stop and wonder about the whole thing. You know what, it, what it's all about. And you're going to also really need to sit and think about it from a big Well, I mean, at the end pr- of the picture. day, 
you can do your works and check off things on your task lists and stuff. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're a body that has to sit with being a body. Right, you, right, you right. You can right. never escape that reality. And nine is kind of skipping to the end and be like, well, if at the end of the day, I'm just going to be a body sitting. Great, great. Just let me get to Let's it right now. Let's just do that. Let's just do that. Yeah, 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 totally. Um, <laughs> and then everybody else is like, I'm working really hard to provide your little sitting and wondering stuff. So like, yes. <laughs> what's in it for me? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? What's in it for me is like, that's what the other, yeah. the non nine is <sighs> people in relationship with I nines. Mean, I have no idea. I think that is okay. So like on the one hand, that is something that nine offers is like a slowness. We, I will say we live in a very, disorientingly fast world right mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I'm grateful that there are so many nines kind of slowing things down because it's like, yeah, at the end of like so many of these things that we treat super frantically are being imposed mm-hmm. on us by systems that we have no control over. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's nice to have some slowness and gentleness and opting out of being so concerned with all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally in quarantine, I read a book called The Art of Doing Nothing. It was wonderful. It's a legit book, everybody. You should check it out. Um, But on the flip side, Nine being so dispersed has everything to learn from everyone else about Mm. many different ways of becoming condensed and materialized. Um, Because also it's easy for a nine to live their whole life and to have never materialized anything at all. Oof. And under Oof. the guise of being more philosophical and more more present or more enlightened or something, have done nothing with their life or never, uh, not never, you know, I'm kind of hyperbolizing, but have never really expressed themselves or done what they wanted with their life. Mm. And uh, that's also kind of a sad image. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, of course, it's, Paradoxically, both. That that was really spicy. What you just said about nines. Spicy, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I mean, maybe we have twenty minutes left. Maybe. How does that How does that play out for you? Like, Daniel's never done what they want with their lives, their life. Yeah, that's. I mean, lives is a good. I like lives. plurality. Yeah. Um, my various lives that are being lived out. Uh. And disjointed narratives. You, I have sensed a getting going. Like, I, I don't know how it's for you, but it's like, <laughs> do you, I imagine for you that it feels like getting in the car and going up to Belling or going to Canada for school mm-hmm. is like, <sighs> for lack of a better word, autopilot. Like yeah. I'm doing, no, it's so easy to get, get into in the, the car. Autopilot. Yeah. autopilot. Just, you just, I just know that there's these things I gotta do. I gotta get up to class. I just, it's, it becomes really monotonous mm-hmm. patterning. Um, and then I get signals from my body, like mm-hmm. my butt sore. Cause I sit for three hours a day, just in a car, let right. alone the time spent in classrooms or at desks or things. Okay. Gosh, I, I can't, because of how intense this has been, both like the the intellectual process of starting grad school and like just the physical uh, necessities that I need to attend to, to to make it all happen, like it has thrown a wrench in my personality's typical coping strategy 
strategy of just like kind of vibe out and let it happen. Like I used to work with you at the same church. Mm -hmm. I would come into this office. I lived about 15, 20 minutes away. Yeah. It's so much easier to like leave late, be there a little bit late. Mm -hmm. Um, Fuck it. I don't know. (laughs) Get some food somewhere, scrounge it up from the church kitchen or whatever. Ah. And, uh, kind of bumble my way through the day, do some things, but at the end of the day, you're like, what did I really do today? And then I'm going to have some conversations with people and go home, uh, associate by watching some shows, go to sleep too late, wake up too late. And you just do it again and again and again. Uh, And I mean, even more so like after I left Seattle last year, I've kind of just been super sad for a year. mm -hmm. Um, about having done this huge disconnect, like Mm -hmm. a a huge actual disconnect of leaving this Seattle and my home and like the places that really contextualized who I understand myself as. Um, And so in that year, it was truly just vibing out and like going to chart all of these rivers and I'm going (laughs) to play these computer games and I'm going to really deep dive the Enneagram and stuff. And in some ways that, was productive in various ways, but ultimately like what have I done in this past year? Vibed um, out. Vibed out. Um, feast days. Feast, <laughs> feast days. Um, creating rituals for myself. But you know, those are all good things. It was kind of an artist's way year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but ultimately it kind of leads to stagnation and it wasn't fulfilling. And so to get back into this grind with grad school, um, I, it, because it's a two hour or one and a half hour drive and I can't really afford to just like eat buy lunch somewhere every single day. It's like, okay, I have to plan for my meals. I have to plan what I'm going to eat because otherwise mm-hmm. I'll be hungry and I can't drive home. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. it's so, it, the drive is so long, I need to make sure I'm getting enough sleep mm-hmm. and I need to make, I can't sleep in. I have to wake up at a certain time or else traffic will make me late for my class. Um, there, there's a lot of similarities and parallels to you and Mesa's life right now. Mm, yeah. I mean, they're driving up to Port Townsend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, wondering about gas and food and yeah. bills and money and getting there and paying and mm-hmm. doing it. And, and it's easy to like dissociate, dissociate out from all that stuff as a mm-hmm. nine, because it is stressful and you don't want to deal with it. Um, and, at some point you got to say like, Hey, I'm on the hook for my own life. Yeah. I have to pay attention to some of this stuff. Um, and that still is like, I've, I got paid in Canadian dollars into a Canadian bank account and I've got all this money sitting in a Canadian bank account and I still haven't figured out the best way to get like <laughs> the, the best exchange rate to get it back into the U S so I can spend it. And that's wild. It's like, I got to figure that out. I've been sitting on that for <laughs> too long. Um, and all I have to do is call my bank and ask, how's the best way to do this? Because they're interested in getting the best exchange. But <laughs> yeah. it's just a simple phone call. But I'm still sitting on that because I don't want to do it. Um, <laughs> I just had this image. As you're talking, I'm just like a nine. I'm just like, as long as... <laughs> this is so stupid, but it's like a dumb image. As long as there's some sort of foreign spoon with food coming in inadvertently out of the picture to feed you. <laughs> You're okay. I don't know where this food came from. I don't know <laughs> yeah. why it's here, but here I'm Just an open mouth. Feed me. <laughs> feed me universe. 
I'll just open my mouth and let the stew flow in passively. There's shit dripping out of my asshole. It's I'm just a porous amoeba. I just thought like I'm living life, and at some point I open my mouth and food comes in. I'm like, I don't know where it came from, but thank you. And, and the go back are to like, life. it is my hard work yeah, yeah. that is creating this food. Yeah, <laughs> and you're just opting out of. <laughs> You're like, I'm tired, though. <laughs> I'm tired. You can just stop working. You don't have to wake up. Uh, yeah, but you are waking up. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I mean, it's like constant battle between sleepness, sleep and awakefulness, yeah. and neither is good nor bad. They're just different things. I mean, they, going, but yeah, I mean, sleep and awakefulness, that's kind of why, you know, there is something self-aggrandizing, however you say that word. Aggrandizing. Aggrandizing. About nines being like, philosopher of the universe, the most spiritual type or the, the type that typifies a personality or whatever. It's that, I mean, that's just a coincidence. Don't get too inflated about that. But, <laughs> but, um, all this stuff does kind of nine in many, many, many ways kind of symbolizes and archetypalizes just what this human experience is. It is this kind of constant battle between like adapting and differentiating and sleep and awake and doing and not doing, um, beginning and ends. You know, mm. it's 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 not to say that nines are more connected into beginnings and ends. It's just saying like what the personality pattern matches with an archetype that kind of is representing that kind of totality thing. Um, I my my biggest request for everybody is to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm walking around. And the message that's being emanated from what I'm doing is calm down. Mm-hmm. Everybody calm down. Calm. Yeah. Yeah, why do you have to be so angry? I mean, it's funny. I think I'm probably maybe, I don't know what I'm saying here, but it feels like for me I'm a, maybe a slightly angrier nine than you. Like I feel like. Probably not. Probably, probably not. not. Probably not. No, okay. Well, this is what I'm saying. Like what am I saying here? I. I think we're both a little pouty. 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 Dragging your heels. Hmm. Yeah. Stubborn. Stubborn. I forget even where I was going with that thought. I, f- I got thrown off by Sorry. interrogating it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm now truly lost in just like this. I, I mean, I'll say too. something like one of the differences between you and me is I had kids when I was 24. Love that I had kids. No regrets. I mean, I'm talking in absolutes here, but it would be one of the most classic social no-nos to say that there is a hint of regret at having kids. Yeah. No, totally. <laughs> Love my kids. Um, but had kids when I was 24 had, and, and, and there is somewhat more of a, like engaging with a self right now at this age for you. Mm. And I think there's, um, oh gosh, I, I just think there's like a nine could very much go into hyper autopilot with kids. It's like, mm. well now it's like, of course, like everything is acquiescence to the needs of a kid. Well, yeah. Cause not only are you, is the nine parent, uh, like in these habitual, uh, patterns of relating to their own symbolic parent mother Mm -hmm. but now they are 
that sim- symbol to a younger yeah, psyche. Yeah. Right. And so it's well this, said. like weird being in between two. Yeah, totally. I can't even imagine. It sounds mm. very disorienting. And like the just nine, especially being such an adapt adaptive type, like how much, I mean, this is something you've been saying for years as a youth pastor, but like how, what, what, how kids parent their parents or how kids, you, yeah. You, you, well, well, what totally. is that phrasing? Like, well, that was a Dan Allender thought, strangely. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how kids raise parents. How kids raise parents. Yeah. yeah, totally. And I mean, like, I think nines especially, like, people will talk, tell stories about hexad parents that are not adaptable. And you might think, well, that sounds like an un- unhealthy type if you're not able to adapt to your kid. But this is what we're saying about these types is no, like, s- attachment types are very adaptable in this sense. And hexad types aren't incapable of adapting, but really don't have this sense of I'm going to meet you in the middle here. It's like, I've got my way that I'm going to do things. And there's no like implication that I have to meet you in the middle here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so like a a, a hexad parent is, it's a lot more of a one way street compared to attachment parents where Mm. it's kind of cycling and pinging back and forth and creating these like feedback loops of, of, co-adapting you know well well, what were you gonna say about like you because i stopped you a little bit about saying you were gonna say i have a little bit of anger or some frustration more than me and then you were gonna go to a point did you want to say something about that i remember what i was where i was going with that yeah but i i guess i was maybe just trying to say something about nine anger because that's a big thing of like this nine what what is the nine anger or, or how is it how does it show up for you to me okay so Here's a way of thinking about it. What is the body center doing? The body center's main thing is anger. And what is anger? Anger is what... It's interesting. Some people talk about anger as a secondary emotion and as like a a way of uh, empowering the feel. Like if sadness is a primary emotion, we go to anger to feel more powerful because sadness is a very depowered, right. dis- disempowered yeah. feeling. The way I'm talking about anger is more as like a biological response that defends the body. So if you think about like an injured animal in the forest, that's like, like you don't want to approach this like injured cougar because it might be more dangerous because it's wounded because it's so much more uh, ready to do anything it needs to like defend itself. And so anger, the way I think about it as a nine is, is that response that defends the body from threats. Mm. It's like, I need Mm. to Mm. like attack Yeah. Um, to defend myself. And so if nine's strategy for adapting to or attaching to disconnect is that I'm going to extend myself for you here or midi- or minimize myself for you in this way or adapt, I did want this, I wanted chips, but instead I'm going to go with cookies because that's what other people are saying and I don't want to make too big of a splash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are all of these anger responses that ideally like – just in the tiniest little form, there's a little anger thing that says, mm, actually, I want my cookies and not chips, and I'm going to defend that boundary for myself. But you've given up that boundary, and so instead you're swallowing the anger. And so the nines are swallowing all of these <sighs> anger responses that should have come out to just, it's just the natural thing of being a, a body that has desires and is acting on those desires, but the nine has swallowed a lifetime of of those. Gosh, it's just like... 
if if the story and I is telling himself, which what you and I are probably telling ourselves, this idea of that we go with the flow or something like that, and then strangely and ironically, it's like <laughs> I just have this image of <laughs> being at a party and somebody goes, "We're having chips," and somebody goes, "Well, I'm having cookies." Mm-hmm. And for a nine, it's this moment. I'm standing up for myself, and I'm t- putting my foot down. And everybody's like, fine, have a cookie. It's like it was never this big of a deal to begin with. You yeah. could have said you wanted cookies always. And mm-hmm. nine's like, I could have said that. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Like I'm saying this isn't a big drama. This isn't a big Shakespearean moment where I'm like right. standing up for myself. Everybody goes, oh, you want cookies? Great. Yeah. And you're like, but does everybody see the effort I just put into advocating for myself. And everybody's like, who cares? Yeah. 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 Do you relate to that in terms of like when you advocate for yourself and because I, I feel like I experience you as someone who pretty unashamedly says, I'm going to get what I want for myself. If Well, if when I, it comes to self pres needs, I think. Yeah. I like, I'm going to, I want this kind of a coffee. I know the kind of coffee I want. I, I don't want whatever. Coffee yeah. I mean, if me, anything if for me, I want. I would say my whole life, it's like a self-pres needs coming through back away. Like, yeah, it's, it's all coming through. Like there's no, <laughs> I mean, the way you look at the world, it's like, we've got bathrooms set up. Like, <laughs> that's so silly, but it's like the implication is like, we, we need bathrooms. We need food. We need, mm-hmm. you walk around the world, everybody's saying, we have it for you. We have the bathroom. We have, mm-hmm. we have the food. We have the coffee. Mm-hmm. Here it is. And I'm like, I'm looking at everybody. <laughs> it's just so dumb. It's like asking somebody to hold their bladder is just like the most utterly offensive thing anybody could do. I'm just like, why, why would you ask someone to do that? Like what hellish, selfish, outrageous thing is going on inside of you that you would ask somebody to hold their bladder? See, this is, and yeah, you, you pretty much in the middle of conversations will be like, yeah. I'm going to go pee. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for me, Social nine, self plus nine. I've held my pee through so many conversations because <laughs> oh, no. I don't want to make oh, that no. disruption. A terrible life, yeah. a, a, a sad life where you have to hold your bladder. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, there's been times where I, I'm yeah. hungry. Yeah, and then I miss my window, and then I'm left holding my bladder for a super long time because then the next <laughs> thing starts, and I'm like, I could have just hold that thought. I'm, we might not be able to finish right. this conversation, right. but I have to take care of my pee. No, yeah. you just hold it. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, I, and no, and this is great because this is showing how, even though we're both <laughs> nines and that's been very apparent by how we've both just floated through this conversation, yeah. there's very big differences in between how a social nine and a self, like where the attention goes and how that gets played out. Like, you would not make yourself hold your pee through these kinds of situations. I would. That's a pretty big difference in terms of like yeah. the, the things that are, are foils. The difference, if anybody's listening wondering, what is the difference between a social and a self-pres nine? <laughs> Socials hold their pee. Nines <laughs> don't hold their pee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think some anger comes out or some offense. Hmm. If somebody was like, well, you can't go to the bathroom. I'm like, who? the hell are you? I can't go to the bathroom. I'm a human and I have to go to the bathroom. Well, and so here's the other thing is also (laughs) if someone told me I couldn't, 
Nine also has this big autonomy thing. And because they're withdrawn, what they're really withdrawing from is like obligation at all. And so it's like, <laughs> right. I don't, I don't have to listen to you. I'm going to go to the bathroom. But it's, for me, it's the unvoiced, no one's making me not go to the bathroom. But if I'm just in a situation and I have to advocate for myself needing to go to the bathroom, that's, it's that advocating and saying, this is like, I'm going to now act on a, impulse out of my own needs that that might inconvenience yeah yeah well let me ask you a question like if you're in a classroom setting are you sitting where are you sitting in a classroom and how do you how do you orient yourself in a class that's an interesting question okay so i'm sitting generally i gravitate towards seats by a window okay and seats at the corner of a table situation okay and i think towards the back like how, how are you orienting yourself towards the lecturer slash professor? Uh, <laughs> you know, this year I tend to sit directly across like, okay, imagine like three or four or five tables in like a horseshoe kind of a thing. Yeah, I can picture and that. One of the walls, like the empty wall of the horseshoe is like the windows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, the teacher is at the front of the classroom by the projector and has their computer plugged in and stuff. And I'm sitting on the opposite end of the horseshoe from them. So I'm kind of in a way a farthest away from them, but in another way is directly across from them. Wow. I'm kind of on the edge of where all my peers are. But, and this isn't like an intentional thing, but I am like right in front of the teacher. That's what I was wondering. That, that's what I was wondering. Why? Well, in terms of being, what your relation is to the teacher. Uh, because I, I, I know other social nines who want to be seen by the teacher. Ah, and and yeah. I will say this for me, the last time I was in like serious school was like eight years ago, but it was very much a daily decision to be five minutes late sitting in the back with no, as little uh, attention and access to me, eye contact as possible and leave five minutes early. Show up five minutes late, sit in the back, leave five minutes early. That is so alien to my <laughs> way of Right. I am like immediately, uh, this, I think it's a social type thing, but I'm like, I want this, to, and th- yeah, I want this teacher to know that I'm listening to them. Yeah. I'm yeah. attentive. Yeah. I'm respecting their time. I'm ex- respecting their knowledge. Um, I also am, but like there is kind of a withdrawn thing of like, I'm not like sucking up to them, um, but maybe I am sucking up to them, but like, in a, in a way, and this has been this kind of thing of like seeing myself interact with teachers, I kind of treat myself as if I already know more than them. Ah, wow. Like, like I don't, I don't, which is, is in some of these is cases is completely preposterous. Like right, one right. of my professors is like a top scholar on the cult of Mithras, which is this like Persian cult that became popular all over You're the like, Roman Empire. <laughs> no, it's almost more like, what is it? Like I come into the class and they'll say something and I'm like, yeah, I already knew that. Oh. But I didn't. Right. <laughs> um, but it is this like extreme body type confidence, I think. Yeah. Like body types, nines, eights, and ones can all have this, because it's a kind of nonverbal and based in the body, it's like if you're vibing with it, you can kind of convince yourself that it came out of you. And mm. so this, it, mm. it, if we're thinking about like, I mean, it really would be interesting to get Mace's perspective on this, but like, oh. 
oh. subject an object like I've identified. So I'm clearly sucking up to these teachers in a certain way, but like I've identified so foggily with this professor that their knowledge is already mine. Wow. And as they say it, I'm like, yeah, I knew that too. Whoa. And so I'm like mirroring this Whoa. professor back to them and like, and I'm also like learning through this process of mirroring them. Oh my gosh, but this is a lot. This it's is really... very disorienting too because sometimes if I overextend myself, I then say something that is not correct. Yes. And then they're like, oh no, that wasn't. And then that like, that's a very big disruption to that, oh, that system. Oh, Wow. And I'm seeing myself do this and be like, this is kind of weird. And I think I'd be annoyed if someone else was doing this. Uh, and so I'm kind of uncomfortable with this whole situation mm. as well. It's a, it's, yeah, it's very disorienting. I think that the, 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 the situation of a classroom is very strange for me. I'm, I, I would obvious, obviously much more prefer to learn at home, hmm. like listening to audiobook, reading a book, listening to a podcast. Hmm. And it's so weird how much time and money I spent in like a classroom setting. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're all going to get together socially and learn from this person talking to us with their body and their mouth and they're saying things and I have to react. I think that was one of the biggest things. It's like midnight gospel. I I, I do really have to experience something multiple times. Hmm. So it's weird that somebody go understand or what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I start to sense that like, it's like, it's like that thing where you're mapping out your thumbprint on your new Apple device. Mm. It's uh, like, it's yeah. got many touches. Mm-hmm. So it's like, here's this class on this topic and you're going to sit and you're going to learn. It's like, what the hell was that? It, it breezed by so fast. I, it was a three hour lecture. I, I remember 10% of it. What, what is this way of educating people? Like, just in one ear and out. And then other. I get to go around. It's so strange. I get to go around and go, I took classes. People go, wow, he took classes. I have a degree. Ooh, he has a degree. I'm like, yeah, you don't know. I was sitting there barely listening. I've listened to this audio book and this podcast 20 times. That's a real certificate. Yeah. Give me a certificate in Midnight Gospel. You know, like what? <laughs> it's all an illusion. I'm like, <laughs> I, have a, I have a real master's degree, but that's one of the least important things that I have. It's like. I, I really retained Midnight Gospel. See, that that's maybe an interesting part. Another like interesting difference between you and me is because what I hear you saying is kind of seems more self-prezzy in that it's based in your lived experience. Like what, what have you taken away and retained in a, like just in terms of what remains in your body and like what you're able to access and draw upon and what has gotten into you. Um, and like the label of, I have this degree and what that means to people is not as interesting to you. Whereas for me, you know, even though I've kind of deconstructed the values of these things, I am still like, I am very intrigued by being someone with a master's degree and having a PhD and like this system of learning and this network of, of social signaling and stuff like for better or for worse, that's something that my system is very interested in. Um, yeah, I think I had a I had a fantasy of like getting me comfort. <laughs> you know, like my master's degree is my ticket to food and money and comfort yeah. and less questions and less interrogation. Let me do what I want now, please. Mm-hmm. And now there would be some sort of extra fantasy of like, what do I need to do, world? Is it a PhD? Is it some sort of what is it? Like what can get me to the point where I can just sit? 
and not be bothered. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately, I feel like that's something I'm doing where it's like, yeah, I mean, this is the stuff that I'm that comes easiest to me, and yeah. ironically, I'm doing more work in my life than I think I probably ever have right now. Um, but it is this, like, fantasy of, like, well, someday I, I can just, like, I look with envy at, like, these PhD students who are probably doing a whole different level of hard work than I am right now, but I'm, like, they're just working on their their dissertation right now. That seems so, like, I'm, I need to learn German and French. I'm taking all of these classes, and, like, they're just writing and researching, and I'm, like, that mm. sounds so much mm-hmm. nicer. I think all of these are fantasies, of course. Um and I mean, there, there is probably circumstances where you can kind of, you, I mean, I see people that are in a very uh, blissed out place where they can, they've, they've found their element. Yeah. And where they are in a very restfully engaging with life. At the same time, I think that is kind of a nine fantasy and, and often. Blissed out. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I think reality, this may be kind of like a downer six swing five mm, perspective, mm. but I think reality can be disappointing in that there will always be another job beckoning or another task that's asking to a be done. A goddamn task. Um, and I mean, that's part of the plight of nine is how to exist as a, a being in the world um, and live a full life while also struggling with the quote-unquote work that must be done to, to exist, you know? Okay, so maybe as a wind-down, let me throw out an idea that we can play with that I'm really wondering about in my own life these days, and this would, be, this would be engaged with through the lens of nines. Okay. And also, unapologetically, we've wandered in this conversation, everybody, so I mean, I guess if you didn't like it, you just probably stopped listening. It's funny. I am kind of apologetic about it, but like... <laughs> Whoopsie. Because I'm what, like wanting more. Do? I really could talk for another five hours. I, I, I uh, okay. So there was, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to unapologetically just announce for the people that listen. I like an author, writer, thinker guy named Adam Phillips. Oh, uh, everybody. Mace introduced me to this author. Sometimes I don't know if Mace wants credit or not. Uh, this on this occasion, uh, I think it would be appropriate to give Mason credit, and for for, for who God knows what reason, but <laughs> um, <laughs> Adam social Phillips. signaling. Social Everybody, signaling. Adam Phillips. Uh, somebody needs some credit here, but um, okay. What the hell are you going to say about Adam Phillips, Scott? There's a chapter in his book called "On Missing Out." Okay. And it's called On Getting Away With It. And there's something about Adam Phillips about frustration tolerance. And these mm. things can obviously be looked at from all sorts of different angles. Frustration tolerance. If life is about frustration tolerance, well, uh, how do we approach that through each lens of the Enneagram? Mm. In, in terms of getting away with it, sometimes I wonder the way that different types descend upon the nine. Hmm. All the, I, I imagine all the types like bombing the nine with their agendas, and okay. we're like ah ah ah, and the, it, it is it is interesting. It is interesting how people have said 
now I'm now I'm really if we're, if this will someday be a psychology podcast or a psychoanalysis podcast, which would be a dream and a cool dream. Um, these agendas, these supposed so-called plans and and improvement arcs mm-hmm. have come from somewhere to dictate where people should be going to in growth and what nines should be ultimately trying to do and how they should improve and what a good nine would look like. And Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, what about a nine getting away with it? What if a nine could live a life where they like, actually, you know what? I am going to fucking vibe out. And, and, and you're you're all going to have to deal with it. And I like, really like this, this guy image. just can't sit over here and vibe out. And you're like, yeah, I can. <laughs> and there's going to be fr- some frustration tolerance along the way because there's going to be some things that are going to thwart my attempts to vibe out. Uh-huh. But like, it might be possible, everybody. And maybe I don't have to grow into some sort of like capitalist drone where I'm doing everything. And you guys can come at me 20 years from now. And, and say I was wrong and that I was like, and I'm working an office job nine to five. And you're like, nice try. We, we're all destined, Scott. You don't, n- not even you get to get out of it. And I'm like, I'm going to try. <laughs> I, I, I mean, gosh, that's, that's, that's very inspiring. It's getting it's away with it. Cause like ideologically I am with you, but then I'm also living this life that it's like, I am beholden to capitalistic. Right powers of that give out grants and stuff that fund research and whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, there is this like kind of an archetypal, uh, like almost like a trickster character. Yeah. Um, I'm going to escape the, the escapist, the escapist. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what are for you? Who are some like, um, uh, not guru, not idol, like, uh, like, like reference points, uh, anchor points, uh, people that you see doing this, that you could say like, well, that's, that's someone that does this. Well, David Lynch will always be, a. Mm. if you watch David Lynch doc- documentaries, he, he always talks about the art life yeah, and he always talks life. about dreaming. Mm-hmm. And there is something that I haven't really experienced because my whole life has been in service to Christianity. Right. And it's really sweet to hear about David Lynch's story arc, who supposedly is a nine everybody. So it's a good reference point Mm -hmm. of like living the art life as a teenager and getting a grant. And he just got to go create a racer head and he got to be in these stables for over a year. He loves talking about these stables and horse horse stables. This was his studio. He's like living in the stables with his friends and he wakes up every day. He creates all the sets in the stables and he just wistfully looks off in his documentary. He's like, I don't know what I would have done without that grant. Essentially saying like, mm. I got a ticket to the art life. Like, and now I'm spending the rest of my life in these heavy quote stables. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it would be silly for me not to say if anybody knows me to, to, to give the giant asterisks of saying like, yes, Kanye is problematic, but like the, the reference point of he created over and over and over again, spaces for him to create what he wanted un, mm-hmm. unobstructed. And, and in, in so many ways, sadly in his own ways, getting away with a lot of things right now and actually maybe isn't getting away with some things right now, but no, like no, he's kind of being yeah held accountable. Yeah. <laughs> um, artists, you know, I think I like artists. I like, I like people that have the space to create what they want to create. Mm-hmm. And I mean that, yeah, that is interesting how quickly, quotes we all jump in to say like 
well, who gives you the right yeah. to leave or to yeah. leave yeah. also in quotes? Like what is, what is anyone leaving? I would say that the art life is maybe a more here in certain ways. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, there is a privileged nature to being able to, you know, kind of create for a living, but in a way it is like you look back 10,000 years, you still have like anatomically modern humans so essentially the same thing we are now, but just like vibing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eating and living their lives and creating meaning out of things yeah. we wouldn't even understand today. It's like this is the environment that the human system adapted into. And now there's so many self-imposed regulations we've created for ourselves in some ways to 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 make things easier for ourselves, but in other ways that have been co-opted by systems of oppression um, and are being, you know, imposed on us. Um, And so I think there is something really inspiring about, it doesn't have to be a nine, but like, I guess in this case, the image of a nine saying like, hey, like within us, there is a universe that is asking to express itself and to just lift your eyes to the sky and wonder Mm -hmm. and see and breathe and eat a salad and really taste every leaf. Yeah. Like that kind of a thing. Um, I guess I will say like you said, I said David Lynch, but Tom Sachs is another great reference point. And and I think one of the things I might be learning from Tom Sachs is, you know, he'll create a faux replica of a McDonald's store (laughs) in his art studio. And it comes complete with like, a little, a little oven to make a apple pie and all Gosh, that. You what know? type is this guy? I know, I know, we but 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 there's something about his work ethic and his focus that he's saying and and making a comment. I think on the idea that there is an art to these everyday things. Mm-hmm. I, I, somehow McDonald's created a symbol and a and a and and it's it's obviously tied up in capitalism, but everything's tied up in capitalism and. And I wonder if you, if one could hack heavy quotes there, like, oh, I mean, I, I really have to, everybody give me a little grace with what I'm about to say here. Like um, going to McDonald's and being a McDonald's worker, it's art. <laughs> like if life is performance art, I am going to McDonald's now and I'm going to work at McDonald's. I, like, I, I, I think, I think he's wondering about that. Cause like everything is like the NASA program and, um, it's all very meta for Tom Sachs, which it's, everything's probably meta for artists in general, but yeah, I mean, this is this thing you're talking about is like in, in one, maybe from a social lens, you could look at, uh, unjust working conditions for quote unquote unskilled workers at McDonald's. And there's all kinds of problems with that another beautiful lens on all of that is looking at working at McDonald's as art, right? Every unfolding moment is an unexpected. What is going to happen in this new moment? Maybe it feels monotonous from a certain, uh, uh, um, dissociated place of mind. What, what new beauties and, and wonders can you find in yeah. that? And what, like, what is, there is something just completely strange and mysterious and utterly unique about being in a McDonald's. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so there is kind of an invitation in all of this to find 
beauty in the mundane. I mean, that's a classic thing that people would think as a four thing. Same mm-hmm. with all the feels, which uh, oh, like, yeah, all the these, feels. these are all very nine things, really. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe eventually we can get into what four is and just parse those things. But tonight, because this this is going to be a performance. Sorry, remember this episode will be about eight hours. So yeah, okay. later tonight we're going to get into four. Scott's eight hours. <laughs> okay. I mean, y'all get ready someday, somehow. In some <laughs> branch of reality, there is a person named Scott <laughs> who puts on an eight hour no TED joke, talk. but an eight hour TED talk. <laughs> Buckle in because another version of you in some other uh, sphere of multiverse is experiencing it. Right. Oh, no, God, we're so jealous of that guy. They're holding their pee. <laughs> In some, also some world, that's the finale of this episode. That's a great, like, yeah, and it's somewhere we end it. <laughs> that's a great unplanned finale. <laughs> we came full circle. They're holding their pee punchline. Oh, theme music. <laughs> yeah, I love that though because something is so much about like, I, I, I don't, I've never clicked on anything, but all, all these like little things on YouTube, like how to give the perfect TED talk. And then people will be like, if you're going to give a TED Talk, this will be the presentation that will make or break your life. So you have to put hundreds of hours into writing it and practicing it and refining it because it will launch your career. And I was like, what if it's just an eight-hour just stream of consciousness? (laughs) Take what you want. I mean, that's Midnight Gospel. It's back to the soup. It's like, Mm -hmm. that's what I would want. I mean, I, I I do watch those TED Talks slightly on edge. I'm like, okay, gosh, you really, really worked this down to something like golf claps to you, I guess. I mean, <laughs> you really worked it down to the to the big points and the big rises and falls of the emotions, you know. And I'm like, I'm, I I shoulder shrugged to most of it, but you know, but <laughs> if you just if you just put a smart person in front of a camera and let them talk, I'm like, oh, this is much better. Mm-hmm. And so oh, it's only two and a half hours. Bummer. Like, listen, I I, I like my Peter Rollins is my favorite person. I'll look at his feed on a YouTube and I'll be like. Eight hour, eight minutes. Nope. Thirty minutes. Nope. One hour. Getting there. Getting there. And I'm like, oh my gosh, two hours, twenty minutes. Click. This is the one I'm watching. And so, what are you just sitting? What in a sitting? You're sitting somewhere and just watching this straight. Are you pausing to do other things, or is uh, it-, it could be sitting and watching straight? If it's like a Saturday morning and I don't have anywhere to go, it's sitting and watching straight. But oftentimes, it's like eating lunch going and do some work, come back, watch the video. But it's like, uh, I almost think if it's eight minutes, you've chopped it up. I, I, you've, you've condensed it. I don't want the eight minutes. I want the real long thought here. Is, is, the, uh, is the thing of a big long thought that you can get lost in it? Like it needs to be big enough that you, it's like a king size bed. Like you want to be able to stretch out. Right. I, I don't want, I don't want the cliff notes, hmm. but that's a great image. I like to stretch out. Like I, I don't, I don't want anybody I don't want anybody rushing me. I don't want anybody rushing themselves. I don't want to watch somebody rushing themselves. I don't want anybody watching trying hard. I want them to share their thoughts. Share. You don't want to watch them trying hard. That's so <laughs> interesting that that because it's almost like uh, oh, <laughs> it almost brings gosh. up sports. I'm like, what are these people doing? They've worked so hard all week for this moment, and everybody's sweating. And it's a pitch, and everybody's like the swing and the miss, and I'm like, ah. See, Stressful. This is, this is this is totally <laughs> self-pres mediated through nine because it's like oh the body, 
the 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 the, the stress hormones. None of that. Yeah. None of that. Yeah. Not even on your TED talk. I wanted to be so <laughs> yeah, yeah. prolonged that yeah. you don't have to sweat a single bead of stress sweat. I mean, the only thing about that was nice about baseball growing up was that I got to sit in the dugout and eat sunflower seeds. And there was like time to time to bat, and I'm like, oh, dang it, <laughs> shoot! Everybody's watching me. It's such a it's way worse than basketball because you're just up there by yourself. It is come on, really Scott. Just you. Like, don't encourage me. Do not say, "Come on, Scott." So we think you maybe have a secondary three wing two fix. Was there a part of you that wanted to at least do a good job up there? For sure, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember a few good hits in my run as a baseball player, and I was like, yes. Yeah, I, I mean, good. I, I did, I've done a lot of sports. I was not, I'm not a really sporty person, though. And in third grade, I joined a basketball team. And it was like, it was just a summer season. But the first season, I didn't even, like, I think I got a, a couple balls that I shot that, like, bounced off the rim, but I never <laughs> got an actual basket. And it was the, like, it was the most mortifying thing because there's this part of me that does, as the three fix, it does want to be competent and do I good. I want to be cheered for. I want to be celebrated. I don't want to keep doing something that I'm bad at. Right, 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 um, right. Good, good, good. But then the nine thing also, like my parents are making me do the sport. I don't want to make a fuss. It, uh, gosh. If there's a three wing thing or a three fix thing going on in my spirit, this is a sad thing to say, but like everybody proud of my career as a youth pastor and also the ultimate three palace because mm-hmm. it was the easiest way to be achieving for yeah. me because yeah. it was the pa- path that was paved out for me. All I had to do was like gesture mm-hmm. towards youth ministry. And everybody goes, yes. Yeah. Wow. And then I make a small little delicate gesture towards youth ministry. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow. I mean, talk about this basketball thing you're talking about. Yeah. It's like everything you're doing is like, oh, uh, mm, almost. And yeah. in this realm, I just step over to this little realm and, and the whole universe goes, yes. Wow. Oh, ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm like, great. Let's keep doing just this. Just keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, we started this conversation eons ago talking about like, what does a what does a three doing attachment wise? That's a great image of attachment because mm. you've put on a performance that got good this reviews. Is working for you? And yeah. yeah, you're like, I'll just keep doing this performance. Yeah. Great. Jeez. Holy cow. It always leads to more. We had a good finale and then we kept going, which is nine ish. But like, do you want to say anything as a wind down? No. Line the plane. Uh, Tied no, in I a mean, bow. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I mean, it's, this is a funny thing. We've been, like hanging out all day and I'm kind of, this is the thing that ha- like you'll talk about, you have it like endless thoughts. I get like blank mind where it's like, I'm sitting here see <laughs> and we're talking and I'm also like kind of blank mind in here. Not sure what the <laughs> thoughts are. If there are thoughts that, well, it's to nice be- to know. I would say to correct me if I'm wrong, but it, if that feels like heavy, 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 gigantic quotes, growth in the sense of just your evolution of a podcast person. Okay. Because you 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 dabbled in the podcast mm-hmm. and then you listened and you had some thoughts and then you did the podcast again and then you had some thoughts right. and here comes the next evolution of Daniel mm-hmm. and it doesn't it's refreshing because I mean this is meta but it's like it's the exact thing I was saying about a TED Talk person who's trying too hard it, it's it's you're not coming as Professor Daniel with all the answers yeah. and you're letting yourself go actually I don't I don't know yeah and I have a blank mind on that one and I'm like cool. Cause that's something to work with. And it's not like you're like, uh, I have a blank mind, but I'm going to pretend that I know. 
I know. Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's really refreshing to start falling into this place. And I mean, I, I do think just the virtue of this recorder and it's like kind of this eternal testament of these thoughts that I had at one point. It's like, those are thoughts that someone had at one point. It's okay for them to not, but you know, I mean, that's the escapist. That's, I'm not really here. Uh, That's something of the anxiety about this podcast in general. Somebody goes, you said this back then. I'm like, that wasn't even really me. Okay. So here, (laughs) yeah. So actually that, that did spark some like closing thoughts because that is something I want to say and something that's been a, a big thing for me to play out and work out with kind of becoming a, a voice on this Enneagram stuff on the Instagram and on this podcast of like, I have great dissonance around saying something that I'll later reflect on and be like, I think that was incorrect. Mm. That is Mm. a very distressing Mm. internal thing for me that I I've been needing to work out. And so there is something really social types are out here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. There's something refreshing about just letting it be like, Y'all, I've said things that were definitely just words in response to words that Scott said that I have no idea. <laughs> Blame Scott. <laughs> Blame Scott. It was not me. As an attachment type, the universe is happening to me. I don't have any responsibility for what I did. Yeah, but anyway, to be able to be playful with all of this is really nice. And I mean, I guess I'm just naming, I guess less for the audience and more for myself that is just like, this past hour and a half has been Daniel in the past hour and a half, and it's going to be love a that. completely different Daniel five minutes from now. You yes. Know? Yes. Love that. And I think some of the things I learned from you was this idea that if, if, if it's a, uh, if it's for me, self press social and then sexual blind, which we didn't even get into blind things. Maybe that's a, a thing we'll get into next time. Cause now that just popped up as a juicy thing. Mm. What does it mean to be blind to something? Mm. But, uh, you said the secondary instinct is like a play space for someone. Right. So I do think social is play for me. Yeah. And then tie that in with a social type where it's like, I am mostly enjoying social situations or, or if I if I find a place where I am enjoying myself socially, I think what's happening is it's got to be less self conscious. Like the places I'm going to be the most happy is is where I'm least self conscious. And hmm. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 fun would be I'm not I'm not having to think about pleasing anybody. Yeah, I'm just vibing. Yeah, I mean, that would be an ultimate goal for me being on these podcasts to not, because I mean, like, having a good time, but also definitely, like, the, as we've been saying with health and stuff, these patterns are still playing themselves yeah, yeah, out. Yeah. So I'm still very concerned about how people are seeing me, the, my self-presentation, and all these kinds of things. Um, I mean, I, this is a completely disjointed thought. I was just thinking, like, we've been going like this is going to be more than an Go hour hand. podcast. And I think it's very wonderful that for this nine, like the, the, the culmination of this retreat we're did two nines talking about nine. <laughs> and we've just kind of been like meandering for, <laughs> I don't know how long this thing is going to be, but yeah. I feel like for the past while, no small <laughs> thing, we've been kind of pretty tightly within an hour long yeah, conversations. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of a, a bit of a throwback to like, I mean, some were two, some were two, some wildly long, yeah, two and a half, yeah. So, 
So that's a thought. Yeah, I think no small thing is also meta in the sense of like it's been the place where I keep coming back to because we've created a little world where I can do these exploring hmm. and Mace explores with me. And I think I haven't literally done this, but I do imagine a social a social situation where I show up and I'm talking and I'm vibing and people go, Oh, that's not what we're doing here. Hmm. And so many times I just go, Crap, okay, well, what are we doing? All right, here I'll do it, blah, 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 blah. But I think there's another part where I go, oh, well, then I'll just leave. Not in a pouty way, but like just like, oh, just leave then. Like, There's places I can go where I can have a little bit more fun socially. Um, Mm -hmm. And fun socially is, I don't know, just more freedom Mm -hmm. Um, or vibing out. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I I think I'm on a journey with that, honestly. Like I'm still trying to find what I would like to do socially. Yeah. Not entirely sure what I want to no, do. No, I mean I've I've heard you talking about that in terms of like I mean this is a way to look at it like you create platforms for people. Mm-hmm. Like it's what you've done with youth ministry. Like so much of it is like you'll talk about we go on a, a trip and we do some kind of service worker stuff. Yeah. And, but like really you, you, you tell the story at the end of it with like your you, people. Scott is a great videographer, a very talented <laughs> artistic videographer Aww. and a very talented artistic producer of these, like essentially stories of these trips that a group of people went on right. in a time and in a place. And you create these evocative stories. Um, and you were saying yourself, like, I don't want people to get a sense of, like, that we worked super hard. I want people yeah. to participate or to exp- share in something or yeah. experience a, a, a vibe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so that, in a way, is creating, like, a, a platform for youth to be seen. And you create these, like, platforms on Insta and whatever for, for, for me and for youth and everything. And this is something I, you know, if we're thinking about how subject and object are mirroring one another it's like well when does scott get his platform and in in a long in many ways like that's what no small thing has been but i mean yeah it's a cool journey thought yeah there's something it might maybe that's the social play space i do like the idea of some people getting together and doing some things together i like that i like the feeling of what we're doing here i like the feeling what we're doing here yeah doing some things Mm -hmm. but but, but but very free, yeah. very unknown, very undictated by some outside power. Right. Yeah. Sounds yeah. nice. Yeah. Getting away with it. Getting away <laughs> with it. Yeah. I mean, that would be an interesting conversation just in and of itself. What does it mean to get away with something? Yeah. And yeah. like the outrage. Oh, they got away with it. <laughs> they made a successful podcast. Oh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> We were praying that that wouldn't happen. <laughs> we, I mean, I don't know if you're listening to this episode, but we know you're out there praying for this podcast to fail. <laughs> who, who, who are you? I mean, are, I, are, you, are you thinking of a specific person, or are you just thinking about some some random people? I, I, I'm thinking of some specific people. <laughs> I like that. I like that's a second finale. That's a great way. All right, the way this one's gonna end is uh, much love. <laughs> Said with love and care, we're all beautiful humans deserving of um, respect and uh, a good life. And 